Welcome to the Daily Objective. Jonathan Honig with Nico Sukira Kapalopoulos today. I think I got that right. Uh, we've got a wonderful program for you today. A real interesting idea and a number of ideas and a real expert on it um, because we're talking about an idea and a concept which you hear a lot in objectivism and objectivist circles, and that is the concept of tribalism. Uh, we've approached this in different ways over the, the last couple of months, um, certainly from Rand's perspective. And Nikos, uh, in fact, has a lot to share on it. He literally wrote the book on it. Uh, here's a screenshot of Nikos's new book, Identity, Politics, and Tribalism, The New Culture Wars. It's available for pre-order on Amazon. I hope you do that as I've done it. And uh, just to kind of give you a little tease, look at some of the great response for Nikos's last book, The Rise of Lifestyle Activism, five-star recommendations and highly recommended. So Nikos, congratulations on the new book. Thank you for kind of premiering in it, it with here, us on the Ayn Rand Center UK and the Daily Objectives, Objective and, and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jonathan. So the idea is there's so much things that are bad outside in the public sphere, things that we sense that are not going the way they should be going. The culture wars, uh, political violence, but also people having their personal life poisoned by bad ideas. And the, what I try to do is try to find what is the thread that links all these things. So we have, for example, free speech issues. We fight about gender. We fight about race. We say, oh, we are a racist society. Or the other side says, no, it's critical race theory that is destroying this country. Or feminists saying it's men and toxic masculinity that is doing this. And then the other side says, no, no, it's feminism and postmodernism. So the idea is try to move a bit outside, zoom out from all this, and try and see what is the thing that connects this phenomena. And it could be two things. It either could be that this is something happening in politics, that we have some bad people in politics, and if only we didn't have these bad people in politics, things would be good. Or the alternative is that something is happening here. Something is happening in the way we think, something is happening in the way we perceive the world, and this then goes downstream to politics. And this is the conclusion and the starting point at the same time of the book, which is that it's tribalism and it's something that happens in our minds. And I call it tribalism and I mean viewing yourself, viewing the world and viewing others through the prism of a group. So you are not Jonathan, and I'm not Nikos, you are a white male part of the 1% and a capitalist, whereas I am, let's say, something from another group. And our groups cannot communicate because we don't share this one thing which is important, which is our individual minds. And what happens then is all bets are off because if, if your group, because let's say, oh, I'm black, LGBT or Greek, but your group is different, then we cannot communicate. And then we cannot communicate, we need to fight. And we fight politically. I want uh, to impose quotas on you, or, uh, or you want to say that... Uh, that uh... So it's, it's all the things that we see happening in, in politics. And of course, no need to mention that the clarity to understand this comes from Ayn Rand's explanation of tribalism. And we can say what makes Rand's understanding of tribalism very, very unique because the majority I, of people, I, yeah, go on. I, I, have a, I have a quote from her here and you know, I definitely encourage everyone to check out uh, just as a starting point, the Ayn Rand lexicon where there's a number of great, very meaty quotes about tribalism. She asks, 
what is the nature and the cause of modern tribalism? Philosophically, tribalism is the product of irrational irrationalism and collectivism. It is a logical consequence of modern philosophy. If men accept the notion that reason is not valid, what is to guide them and how are they to live? So it really, is tribalism, Nikos, just a, a, another form of collectivism? So it is a form of collectivism, but you could have, for example, collectivism on uh, the political level. I think tribalism starts from here. And this line by Rand, if I had to pick one line by Rand, which is the most influential in my life and work, it would be that line. Because, so she says, when you give up reason, then tribalism is the next, the only possible option. And why? Without reason, you cannot make sense of the world. And the world becomes a very scary place. Think about it today. We have all these fears, environmentalism, or maybe the idea that uh, there's, uh, there's this takeover that's going to happen by, I don't know, by, by the liberals or the, or the far right or whatever. So right. the world out there doesn't make sense. Why? Because I've given up my navigating tool. Therefore, how do I get existential security? I cling together with people with whom I share similar characteristics, but characteristics on the perceptual level, like, oh, you look like me, we're both men and women is the enemy, or, oh, we, we, we are both part of this minority and uh, there's the dominant narrative, which is the, which is the enemy. So then it very soon becomes a low level civil war of all against all. Again, because we cannot communicate, we have given up this idea that we all share the same universal uh, capacity to reasoning. That's why, again, you hear so often people say, as a woman, I believe this. As a person of color, I believe this. When <laughs> I hear this, I'm really worried because it tells me that you've given up your capacity to recognize that we can all communicate we can, and that we cannot be part of a common frame and a common narrative of reason. I mean, Nikos, I think that's a really great observation. And, you know, it seems... First of all, uh, objectivism always seems completely unique in this emphasis on individualism and on, in the, on the individual. Uh, and I hear exactly what you describe so often these days. And you know, people think of themselves first, it seems more and more not as an individual with individual choice, but they start listing all these kind of subgroups and then you know, and, and line that up. Is, is part of this appeal to tribalism, the negation of free will, this idea like, well, because I'm a, I'm Greek or was born Greek, I, I have a, I mean, I should be like this or because I was born black or Jewish or anything else like it, or I have a tendency to be this. There's that almost kind of giving up of free will, which is also so integral to objectivist philosophy. Exactly. And it's, it's what you said that objectivist gives this unique perspective. And there was this conference last Saturday and, and I think it was Alex Epstein. I think it was Yes, it was Alex Epstein who, who said that objectivism is a big comparative advantage. So when you're in the, in the intellectual world out there, objectivism is your nuclear weapon. See, for example, what other... So many people recognize that tribalism is a problem. But most people say tribalism is a problem because it's biological or it's an instinct or that we are wired for tribalism. And it's very easy to believe this because you look around and you say, look, group thing is everywhere, collectivism is everywhere, tribal thinking is everywhere. It's good to have a community. Therefore, it's something in us. However, there's a different explanation. 
And this is the explanation that Harry Binswanger gives in How We Know, when he talks about groupthink. He says, thinking requires effort. And what is the default position? The default position is not to think for yourself, but to give up this responsibility. It's to give up this requirement that falls over your shoulders. Therefore, what's the second best option? Well, I will go with what most people think. So what might look like an instinct, what might look like something which is that you are wired for, turns out that it is not. Turns out that it is just your giving up of the responsibility to think for yourself. So that's the first very, very unique view that objectivism gives, that tribalism and tribal thinking is not a destiny that you cannot escape. It's actually a failure. It's the result of your failure to own this responsibility to be an independent thinker. And then we go to the second biggest misunderstanding about tribal. So a lot of people, when, they, when you tell them, you know, the public sphere out, out there is toxic, what they tell you is yes, because people take ideas too seriously. We've become too fanatical with ideas. Therefore, what we need you're to an do- You're an extremist. You're an extremist, exactly. So therefore, what we need to do is we need to meet in the middle. So don't be too much on the right and don't be too much on the left. Come together and see what we have in common, which is, I'm not dismissing it, okay? There's something to it. For example, someone might be in what we call SJW and have very good premise, or someone might end up having some dark views about uh, the impact on feminism or whatever. And this could mean that uh, they, they've misunderstood some things, but their heart is in the right place. But this is not the solution because when you say the problem is we need to meet in the middle, you're basically saying, I'm not taking ideas too seriously, which is exactly the same problem in a, in a different manner that leads to tribalism. It's basically saying, well, the hell with thinking, let's just try to be good friends and let's, let's not think too much, basically. Let's, let's put aside some things, let's just, let's just meet in the middle. Yeah, I mean, tribalism to me, Nikos, seems almost like sacrifice, altruism for the tribe and stopping thinking, stopping your own self-interest for the tribe. And so, as you said, Inanna, but, but wasn't that in effect the default for most of man's life was the tribe? I mean, that's part of what I think makes um, objectivism so radical is that, you know, it's always been the tribe from the caveman to the Indian, you know, Indian and all along the way, even to, you know, Rand wrote about, wrote about global balkanization in the sense of like, well, how can, what are the Greeks having in common with the French? It's totally separate things. And, you know, and, and, and this idea of America being a melting pot where you have a lot of different people who look different from different backgrounds, but agree on the fundamental. Andy Bernstein, I mean, remember when we traveled around the UK, he has that wonderful comment where he says something effective like we can disagree about everything but if we agree on the basic premises of respect uh, for individual rights then we can have civilization but tribalism almost seems to put that off because you're not even thinking at all it's just my tribe against the other tribe uh, and even if it leads to blows so yeah not only it has been prevalent but if you see the biggest disasters in history you will see the signature of tribalism. And it's not something that happened, you know, in the ancient times, but today it's better. So as part of understanding tribalism, I read a book about the massacre in Rwanda, where the Hutus 
and the Tutsis were fighting each other and the Hutus massacred hundreds of thousands of Tutsis. The shocking thing there is that there was no basic difference between the two. They speak the same language. Uh, there was no ethnic, there was no racial, ethnic, religious difference. And by the way, Rwanda was not a backward country as many people think. It was a country where English and French were among the official languages. So many people say, oh, this was just backwards. No, 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 no. And actually what happened if you, so someone went to prison and asked the, some of the people who committed the war crimes, they asked them, what were you thinking? And what they said is, look, because some of the atrocities that happened, for example, is you had to kill your wife because she was part of the Tutsi tribe or you have to kill your neighbor with whom you spend life. And they said, look, we knew very well that the people we killed were innocent, but they were the other. And sometimes we had to do things like we loved the other person. We, so that was the person that took care of us, but now we have to slaughter them. So this is exactly what you said. On, on the one hand, it's a monstrosity to the victim, but also what a betrayal it is also to yourself because you put the existential prism of the group above your own judgment. So this is not anymore a person you like. This is any person that you like, but you have to suppress it because it is the other. And of course, we see how this is at the root of uh, racism of all forms of collectivism. But let's not make the mistake to think that tribalism, which is a bad thing, means that any form of solidarity, community coming together is also bad. So. I don't know if you want to right, they, share that's something always, about where you see the difference. Well, that's all. That's always the uh, not the red hair, the uh, the straw man that they throw at you. They say, "Oh, you're an individualist, Nico. So you're just gonna go live in the woods. You're never gonna talk to anyone. You're never gonna trade." You know, so they they throw up that straw man and say, "You know, everyone's everyone's in a tribe. Everyone's a collectivist because you live among." But that's that's not what individualism is at all. Exactly. So the difference is the following one. Not only you can be a part of group, you can, this group can be very high in your hierarchy of values. It can be your brothers or your sisters, people that you really want to, that you share values with and you can go to war with. You can jump to the sea to save them, but there's a difference. Do you put higher your judgment, your judgment or the group? Let me give you an example. Let's think of a team of revolutionaries. Let's say you have a very bad regime, a dictatorship, and there's a group, a band of comrades who overthrow this tyrannical government. But then you see that your brothers and your comrades start operating in a way that breaches, breaks your integrity. That's, oh wait, this is not what we fought for. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna shut up and say, well, now we have to, we have to be part, still part of the group. We cannot betray the cause, which is basically, for example, what many did after the, the Russian revolution or you saw it after many revolutions. Well-intending people saying, well, I see we've started being the bad guys, but I cannot betray, I cannot betray the thing that I've given so much of my life. Now, this is exactly the difference between a community and wearing the, the, the existential lessons of tribalism. Do you put your individual judgment? Do you sacrifice? That's, you, you put a very good word. Do you sacrifice your judgment for the group? And by the way, by doing that, you don't help the group because if you don't trust your judgment, 
why are you in this group uh, to begin with? By the way, thanks so much, Christopher. Thank you very much for Christopher, not only for his super chat, but he gives also some lines from Anthem about how we were enslaved by the gods, but we broke the chains and then by the race. And yeah, if you think about it, in each one of these situations, you give up your individual judgment and your dependent judgment in your mind. And there's something he goes, I know for me that I always was so repelled about being grouped on something like, you know, I mean, I was raised, I've been open about this, I was raised in a, in a Jewish household and I was always encouraged to, you know, go hang out with the Jewish kids. And it was like, well, I have nothing in common with them. I want to hang out with these kids who are into Transformers or video games. You know, I mean, this idea of grouping yourselves with others by uh, something by based on, on random happenstance, it always, I always just was repulsed by that. Even as a child, before I knew about individuals, you know, I always felt this sense of wanting to make my own choices and be evaluated by those choices. Not this sense of, well, you know, they're a, he's a this or that, well, that's how they act. So that, now I, I wanna say one thing, we're, we're talking about, of course, your new book and a big part of a book is promotion. You mentioned that the, the book is available for pre-order. And I, I have to say, I went to your page on Amazon and is this you, Nikos? Because if it is, Wait, is that that's, you? yeah, but that's a very old photo. I thought I, I thought I renewed my profile picture in Amazon. No. Well, this is the current photo, and I, you know, I just I'm not a stylist, but I thought there's some other famous Greeks that maybe if you wanted to update your image a little bit. I mean, Pericles, obviously, uh, if you want to go for more of that classic thing. But if you wanted to update that, you know, because you're going to be doing a book tour. I mean, my, uh, Tommy Lee didn't know this. He was born in Athens, Greece. Oh, so I didn't want to know that either. Do a kind of a hard rock thing for the book tour. You could do that. I mean, of course, Aristotle and Nassus. Respect. Keep it, keep it classy. Yeah. Uh, John Stamos, you know, he's a Greek as well. So if you wanted to kind of do a clean cut thing, he's a little older than you. But just as a thought of, um, you know, want to update that photo for the book tour, because this is to be, be a honest, seller. I hoped that you would end up this tour with my current photo with a beard, but Anyway, okay. <laughs> well, congr so, again, Craig, congratulations. And I'm so glad you're expanding this idea because and, and building on this idea of tribalism because, you know, here in the US and it sounds like in the UK as well, it's, it's so obsessive, even to the point, as we've talked about, where you would deny reality, you know, just saying a lot of Trumpers, for example, from the get-go would swear that the crowd size for the inauguration was the biggest. Why? Because the tribe all agreed on it, even though they're perceptual evidence itself said, no, this is not the case. So that sacrifice of your own integrity of your own mind for the group seems part and parcel of what tribalism is and what objectivism repels against. Exactly, and since you mentioned Trump, let me go very, very quickly for some seconds through what the book covers. So initially there's this theoretical view on tribalism. Then I talk about left-wing tribalism. So we go from Marx to uh, to actually the Occupy movement and the latest trends in the left. Then we go to the right and we go from the right wingers in the French, after the French Revolution, the Royalists, till the Trump uh, bandwagon and, uh, and today's, uh, today's uh, quote, countercultural right. Then I talk about the free speech issues and how the free speech has become the, the center of the culture wars and what is the role that travels plays there. Then we talk about race, very difficult chapter because I talk about progressive racial thinking, which is this new 
way of thinking of many on the left that view the world through the prism of race, trying to think that this is how they're going to eliminate racial uh, injustice. Then I talk about the alt-right, which is the obvious example of racial thinking. And then, the, so in every chapter, I look at both sides of the aisle, not to say that they are morally equivalent, but to show there's something similar in their epistemology. And the last one is uh, the gender issue. So I have feminism and I have the manosphere or MGTOWs or however you want to call it. And again, see how they view the world under a similar prism, despite the fact that they hate each other. Well, and here's the pre-order page. We definitely encourage everyone to get on the list for it now. When do you expect it to be ready to roll, Nikos? This, and, and by the way, thank you, Daniel, for your contribution. Thank you, Marilyn, for your contribution. Thank you, Daniel and uh, So it's out on July the 6th. But if you want to pre-order it from now, this is good. It gives it a momentum. And I've given a public promise that if the book does well, uh, I have some, uh, I'm going to persuade the publisher to make an audible version where I narrate in a Greek accent, which is actually, I haven't got any other accent. So they, it's the only way I can narrate. So that's awesome. And, you know, maybe we, then we can get someone to translate it from your Greek accent into <laughs> English. That would be, that would probably be needed, although it's going to take away some of the beauty. So Donathan asks, is this book a continuation of Pico's dim theory? Not even in my wildest dreams, I wish it would be. But uh, I like Peak of Steam. So Peak of Steam theory was so influential to me that I opened the conclusion with a line from that book, which says something like, the, most, uh, the, more, the darker the future that comes, the more we have to fight it. Okay, I completely battered the quote, but yeah, obviously uh, I wish I, the book has, like, is, has the clarity and the in the scope of Dim's hypothesis, but no, it's not a continuation of uh, Leonard Pico's Dim theory. I wish it was. Daniel echoes your comment, Nikos, that you know, let's meet in the middle means don't take ideas seriously, which you know you you had mentioned as well. He also says that he has very little in common with people in his country to become tribalist would be to give up everything he believes in. You know, Nikos, I have to say, thank you, Marilyn, but you know, Nikos, I have to say, here in America, still there is a little bit of that rugged individualism that's almost in the air. And I, I empathize with objectivists joining us from all over the world where that ethos is just uncommon from the get-go. So I think, uh, uh, and I really applaud what you're doing in terms of building on objectivist framework and building it and bringing it to new people. I hope that's what we did with textbook. I know that's what your own and so many great authors are doing in terms of bringing in objectivist ideas you know, to the masses, if you will. So I really look forward to the new book and encourage everyone to check it out. Thank you. And actually, yes, when I came up with the idea, it was around the time that the textbook of Americanism was coming out. So I tried to basically do what many of you did there, which is how can I try to apply objectivism? Try to, because again, we're, I'm in no way anywhere near to being any authority on objectivism, but how do I see objectivism applying to these issues? Let me say one last thing since... Uh, since Dalian mentioned, uh, mentioned this idea of you know, the feeling you have with your compatriots. I'm very tribal in many ways, for example, in sports, but I put tribal in quotation marks. <laughs> and let me give you an example. Since I moved to the UK, I've been way more passionate about Greek teams or the Greek national team and things like that. Why? Because in my mind, it's a connection to home. So for example, you know, 
you say, oh, Olympiacos scores a goal. I know my father is happy. My uncle is happy. So it's, it's something very healthy quite often to feel quotes, many, many quotes. Oh, I'm so proud the Greek won or something like that. It's, it can come for, from a positive place of rational values. But also it, it can overtake and become the prism, again, the dominant prism through which you operate, which is not good. But yeah, I feel the same way. I'll say, yeah, I, I feel the same way about pizza, Nikos. You know, I will swear, and I guess you'd say tribally, that Chicago-style deep dish pizza is the only pizza worth eating, and it all else is is shit. But um, you know, that's a you can also say that's a personal choice, and not something that I was you know, born into by nature, race or creed or color or anything like that. So I agree with you. There's something kind of fun about being part of a team this or tribe that, but that's not tribalism and what you explore in the book at all. That's yeah. personal choice. And, and more on that, more on, by the way, Razi seems to be passionately against uh, your uh, pizza theory. Many thanks. Yes, Marilyn, many thanks for your super chat. We really appreciate your contributions. Now, more discussion on what is and what is not tribalism, or maybe also about how tribalism applies to sports. When we move to Clubhouse, which is going to be very soon. So Monday is episode 200. So I know Razi has something prepared for that. I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's going to be uh, very good. Okay. Any Anything else, Razi, that you no, want we'll to No, we'll see you on Clubhouse. Thanks for a great week. And thanks for all of your support of the Iron Rand Center UK. Thanks, everyone. See you soon.